0: The kids really do learn how to to read a a map and use a compass. And when they're on their expeditions, uh, we put them in some pretty thick, authentic backcountry areas where it's not like highly impacted trails. It's, hey, here's point A. We need to go point B. It's six miles of cross-country over this mountain pass. Do it.
1: Episode 129, Getting Your Kids Outdoors, a holiday flashback with Ian Roberts. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. It's Travis. I hope you all had a great and safe new year, and we look forward to 2016 and bringing you guys awesome episodes of the Adventure Sports Podcast. For our last holiday flashback, I wanted to bring on Ian Roberts. Ian is with Avid for Adventure, a Colorado outfit that takes kids into the wilderness and teaches them everything they need to know to have fun and be safe out there. So I wanted to bring Ian's episode back for you to enjoy. So check it out, and we'll be back with you next week with all new episodes.
2: Ian Roberts grew up in California exploring the local mountains. He has spent much of his adult life guiding adventure enthusiasts of all ages in many forms of outdoor recreation and education. Throughout the years, Ian has been an outdoor education teacher, camp counselor, and director, international trip leader, backcountry guide, canoe and kayak instructor, and much more. He's earned his bachelor's degree in wilderness leadership and experiential education, as well as a master's degree in adventure education. Currently, Ian is the Overnight Camp Director with Avid for Adventure, a Colorado organization that provides authentic outdoor experiences to kids of all ages and teaches them to thrive in the outdoors. Ian, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. So you've had a very busy life so far. I actually um, left out a bunch of your accomplishments in the intro. Can you fill in the blanks and tell our listeners more about yourself and how you wound up spending your time teaching kids about the outdoors?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so uh, I grew up in the mountains of California, um, and my family was never much of an outdoor family. So it's something that, that has kind of just become my own thing. Uh, started out in the Boy Scouts, and then quickly realized that, you know, hey, this is kind of a cool thing, like being outdoors and recreating and having fun, and um, went to my first overnight camp when I was six years old, so pretty pretty young, and, and since then, I was pretty much hooked, Um just had such a transformative experience, like being out in nature and with the counselors and the other kids and just climbing and biking and boating, it has stuck with me. And through my experiences as I was, as I was a young child, has really built the foundation for me to kind of pursue outdoor recreation and venture education as a career. Um, so I grew up about two miles from a summer camp, um, actually relocated to Ohio for, from a parent's job and spent every day after school, you know, working in a, the kitchen of a summer camp, and then worked my way up as a volunteer, and then the barn, then maintenance, and then as I got a little older, progressed through the program as counselor and then program director and kind of stuck with it um, and decided, like, hey, I could, you know, adventure sports and recreation and camps have really, like, helped shape my life and put me on this this great path forward. Like, I would love to be able to provide opportunities for those kids who may not have what I had growing up and from there just kind of um, jumped into the YMCA where I spent a lot of my careers an executive director overseeing some camps and then found Avid a few years ago and made the transition to Colorado and just further getting more and more kids into the outdoors.
2: So it sounds like you found out earlier on or you discovered early on that you could have a career in adventure sports teaching adventure sports. that must have been a just a kind of a great revelation at the time, just to realize you can do that and earn money doing it
0: absolutely, yeah, it was great and you know when, when it came around to look for colleges, um you know kind of going off my parents and pushing me into a business track, and that's where I started uh, and so I do have a a minor in business um. But then when I got to school, I realized, hey, what's this whole thing like outdoor education, recreation? And so I uh, I found a really great college in in North Carolina, Brevard, who one of the first programs in the country with a degree called Wilderness Leadership and Experiential Education. Uh, So I jumped in on that and just pretty much life changing being a part of that program.
2: That's awesome. So you you mentioned being in the Boy Scouts. Um, It seems like the Scouts may not be as... Popular of a of a thing to do for kids these days. How much would you say that influenced your your need to get outside and your your need to discover everything? Because I think we're lacking that uh, a lot in our in our current society.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and being a part of the Scouts, it, I I ended up actually leaving the Scouts um, before making it too too much further into it. Um, you know, and, and just being able to head out on my own to do a little bit more uh like longer hardcore kind of trips. So when I was fifteen, like I, I threw hiked the Baker Trail in Pennsylvania. It's about hundred and seventy miles. Um and so just a little bit above and beyond what with, with the scouts were doing. But You know, starting off, they did provide an outlet. I was born in Los Angeles, so the concrete jungle out there. Um, So they provided an outlet for me to be able to get out into the mountains and explore and really lay that foundation and appreciation uh, for nature. But, you know, once I got past, like, hanging out in the backyards and, you know, little things like that, you know, I I left the scouts and then moved on and uh, did an Outward Bound program. Um, which, again, really just solidified like, hey, this is pretty awesome. Like what I'm experiencing now is like what I want to pass on to, to all the other children and, and really pursue this.
2: That leads me to one of the questions we ask is a story of an amazing experience that really got you hooked. So was there one moment that just really clicked and you, you, the light bulb went off? You're like, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I've had lots of those moments—the kind of the uh, the type two fun, which which really are bummer when it's happening, and you're kind of cursing it, and then when you look back, you're like, wow, that's a really defining moment. And, and I <laughs> think for me, um, you know, it's after I moved to Ohio, there wasn't there there the recreation opportunities in Cleveland uh, where I grew up is not, you know, really there. So I spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania, West Virginia. and, And I do distinctly remember like a trip in high school that I took, um, in the Laurel Highlands where it was just the absolute, it was a solo trip, uh, the absolute worst weather ever. Um, so a big tornado came through and I had to hunker down and I was freezing and wet and, you know, part of me was like, "This is horrible. This is like the worst experience of my life. Like, why am I out here?" And uh, and so I got kind of stuck in this little Adirondack shelter for for two days out of a, a several day trip. And um, and it's really like I woke up. I'm like, "Man, like, what a life changing experience this is! Like, you you're pushing yourself beyond limits you never thought possible. Like, you're you're really being empowered just by being out there to take care of yourself and problem solve." and, you know, make all these decisions, which potentially could be life or death. And, um, you know, and, and that's kind of when it clicked. And, you know, I was a camp counselor throughout the summers, and it's really fun just running around and playing with kids and having fun. But that's the first time that, that it popped into my head of like, hey, like, we can really put some learning behind canoeing. We could really put some learning behind, you know, low ropes and archery and everything we're doing and have this transference of knowledge allow these people to to take what they've learned into real world applications and uh and I remember like sitting there and writing down like this is what I'm going to do when I get back to school and when I get back to work and and go from there
2: right right so what would you say the most rewarding part about getting kids out into nature is for you
0: you know just having them out here it's pretty amazing like It is very black and white how I grew up compared to how children of today grow up. You know, unfortunately, the element of risk has been removed from their lives. And as a result, like children of today have no grit. You know, they don't understand like the benefits in, you know, failing. Uh, the success and failures, and, and they don't take those risks and, and the great things that come of it. And so, believe it or not, like, we have a lot of children who are 8, 9, 10 years old who don't know how to ride a bike at all. And we take them on some pretty great single-track trails um, out here in near Buffalo Creek and some on-site trails. And just being able to, to, you know, within 20 minutes, go from being scared, not knowing how to ride a bike, to able to ride these single-track trails... Uh, and just the looks on their face is is amazing. You know, something that, you know, their parents haven't worked with them or for some reason they haven't they haven't gotten it. Um and same thing when, you know, we're out here recreating and it begins to rain and, and people just automatically start walking indoors and at home they would jump on their Xbox or something and we're like,
2: right. Where are you guys
0: going? Like it's raining. This is awesome. Like as long as there's no lightning and things are good, like we're gonna stay out here and pushing them through the rain and the mud and the dirt and having them experience being cold and wet and not liking it and then all of a sudden absolutely loving it, you know, two seconds later. It's, it's so great for them to be like, hey, guys, it's okay to be dirty. It's okay to be muddy. It's okay to climb that tree and lift that rock and stomp in that creek. And uh, and just the the benefits that these kids have, I mean, it's it really is changing lives every day here.
2: Yeah, I think those are really good points. I mean, there's nothing better than, than seeing a kid click over from being that that couch potato on an electronic device, not really interested in going out and, and doing some of these things to to realizing, holy cow, this, this is actually fun. I don't have to go in from the rain. It's right. fun to get wet. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, as parents, we end up just kind of not wanting to deal with the soaking muddy kid, or sure. you know, do, trying to figure out if they're out there, you know, going to get hurt or something like that. But, but like you said, you know, we we don't want to shelter them so much because they need to they need to get used to that that greediness of life and and actually realize, wow, this is a good part of life. This is fun stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, if you look at playgrounds when when you or I were Ira little, it was like hot metal pieces. Like (laughs) when the sun was out, you couldn't even go down the slide and everything was like a sharp corner and and everyone was totally fine. And nowadays it's 14 inches of padding underneath. Everything's plastic and rounded. And so we're trying to get parents out of that mindset of like, that's kind of a disservice to your kids. Like it's great because there's less injuries, things like that, but also like your kids aren't taking risks. So when they come here, we stick them sixty feet up in a tree, and they do tree climbing, and and they're totally doing it by themselves, like uh, ascending and descending and everything. Um, so we're taking them to a whole different level.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I know we have that debate in uh, in my household about what they should be allowed to do and what they shouldn't be allowed to do. You know, the the world is scary, and you know, sure. the, you don't you look out the the window and you don't see kids riding up and down the road nearly. As much anymore. And we've just gotten so scared by the media that as soon as our kids sets foot around the corner, they're going to disappear. And it's just not true. Right. And I think right. we are truly, like you said, we're doing a, a major disservice to our children by leading them down that path of being afraid of everything. Because sure. these are kids that are not going to go venture across the ocean and travel other countries. And they're going to be afraid because they saw on CNN that you know, people were getting attacked down in other third world countries. And right. these are wonderful places to visit. We have to teach them that it's okay. It's okay to take these chances. You're going to be fine, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So now that I bring all that up, we do like to hear times when things maybe didn't go so right. And it could just be a fun story about, you know, this awesome adventure just really kind of turned into a disaster. And, that's the point of adventure, but do you have something like that? Just a fun story to share.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um in fact, you know, here at camp we're we're going on you know seven weeks uh, pretty hard here, and we've had plenty of those stories. So far, everything from lightning strikes really close to, to where groups are to two days ago, a bear ransacked one of our expeditions, um, <laughs> and chewed up all the the stoves and their water jugs and cooler. Um, and then earlier this summer, you know, we contend with a lot of snow up in the mountains uh, up here. And um, earlier this summer, we had a, a group of fourth to sixth graders and we sent them into the back country of Leadville for several days. And, uh, and they had one of those, you know, those type two experiences that really kind of a bummer when it happened. Um, lots and lots of lightning uh, ended up having lots of snow melting all of a sudden. The river swelled and they were just caught out there. They couldn't go forward. They couldn't go backwards. They were surrounded by like swollen rivers and, and kind of a, a pretty hairy situation. And kids were scared. And, and, you know, the staff did great. And they're like, hey, you know, here's what's going on. Let's now talk how to safely ford a river. And, you know, so they made camp where they weren't supposed to because they couldn't get anywhere. Um, and then it got so bad at, time, at one time that they had to actually evac back out to the vans and spent the night in a 15-passenger van. So 15 (laughs) people in a 15-passenger van. So not not super comfy at all. And, um, you know, we we made the decision to cut the trip short and, you know, safety issues, things like that. And when they came back, I full-on expected them to be, like, the worst experience of my life. We slept in a van. It was hot. It smelled. Everything was flooded. We were cold, wet. And instead, the kids came back, and I said, "Hey, do you want to take a shower and go back to your cabins?" And they said, "Absolutely not. We're going to finish our expedition." And they hiked back out into the woods from here, set up their tents, and cold and wet finished it out. Um, so it's you know getting them out there and putting them in these situations that you know they'll never forget that the rest of their lives and, and how they overcame and worked on everything that we really pushed, those leadership skills, conflict resolution, decision-making, communication, all pulled together in that one crazy instance.
2: Yeah, and it's great when they can experience that and have somebody um, in a leadership role that they can trust, knows what they're doing, and is going to be there if things do go awry, so that they can learn what they're out there to learn without being scared, you know, especially take these kids off the couch and, and away from their tablets and Put them into a situation like you just described. You know, yeah. to have you guys out there and be their their stable rock so they can get through it and, and feel like, well, if, if all goes wrong, at least at least he or she will know what to do. You know, that's sure. great. Sure. Sure. So you guys not only have kids doing rafting, climbing, paddling, biking, all of the the typical adventure sports, but you you guys also teach uh, survival and self reliance skills too, don't you?
0: We do. Yeah, absolutely. So so we're unique in the sense that, you know, part of what we do at camp is is all the super fun adventure sports. And we do, like you mentioned, the, the boating, climbing, biking. We do sailing and zip lining, rafting, horseback riding. But we really, you know, part of our goal is to not just have kids have fun – but to create better human beings out of our program. So when they leave, they, they are more aware of their environment. They're more aware of themselves. They're, they're stronger leaders. Um, and so we, we throw in, you know like you mentioned, survival skills and self-reliance out there. And one of the cool things that we do is every single staff member here it has been trained uh, or is trained as a Leave No Trace instructor. And in turn, all 500 children who come through here per summer get a a national training and leave no trace principles and ethics. Um, So what we want to do is we want to get them out there and realize like, Hey, the wilderness is a pretty cool place and we need you to be the next generation of advocates for us. You know, so it's around when you get older, it's around when your kids are, you know, growing up. And uh, so we really try and, you know, drill that into them. and, And it makes a difference. I mean, You have kids who are as young as six years old all the way up to 17, 18, walking around and, like, picking up trash when they see it, you know. And then being in survival, survival is a great class that we do with the kiddos. And and it's very much not like Survivor Man or Man vs. Wild, any of that stuff. Um, You know, it is like, hey, you're hiking on the trail, you get lost, It's dark, you know, you're running low on water. Like, what do you do type thing? Or maybe there's some sort of natural disaster or lightning strike on a 14er, which happens quite often. Like, what do you do until advanced medical care comes? So to the point that even our older guys, part of the program is them becoming certified in CPR and first aid. Um, So they could be as prepared as possible in the backcountry.
2: Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, people, I I think you're, you're... smart to point that out everybody everybody sees the shows survival man and and whatnot that the what we're talking about is the basic skills of our ancestors and i think that everybody in society needs to know the basic skills of ancestors because we have everything in our life is electronics i mean if you don't know how to navigate without your gps sure uh you know back in the woods then as soon as your batteries go you're done you know And to to teach these guys, uh, put them on the right foot from the get-go is great. You guys are teaching them that you can get out and enjoy nature. It's yours to to be in, to explore, but do it responsibly, and it'll last for everybody else coming down the road, too. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, and like you said, technology, we can't get away from it. We use it every day, and and we do have it at camp, you know, so we use – Uh, devices called Delorme InReach Explorers, which are two-way satellite communicators. So we can send out to expeditions like what the weather's looking like and if they have to switch campsites. And we do a lot of geocaching, um, but prior to them even like holding a GPS unit, like we do several hours of orienteering, like you mentioned, and and if you drop a GPS unit, it gets wet, the batteries go, like you're out of luck. So the kids really do learn how to to read a a map and use a compass. And when they're on their expeditions, uh, we put them in some pretty thick, authentic backcountry areas where it's not like highly impacted trails. It's, hey, here's point A. We need to go point B. It's six miles of cross-country over this mountain pass. Do it.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, it it makes me want to be a kid again to come join you guys. It sounds like a blast. And I think the cool thing is you guys, as the instructors and the leadership, uh, really kind of get to be kids while you're out there with these guys. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bentgate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bentgate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180 TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180TAC.com.
2: And tell our listeners about Avid for Adventure. Uh, who you are? What is it? What are the goals?
0: Sure. So, so Avid for Adventure. Um, we were founded about 2003 and based in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, primarily focus on day camps all over Colorado, all over California as well, in, in the North and South Bay area. Um, and then we do have one resident program which which I'm the director of here but our our goal is to really again just expose children to the wilderness and provide these authentic outdoor experiences that really get kids outdoors for life and not just hey it's summertime I'm going to ride around but but really wanting to pursue being outdoors you know as they continue you know through their childhood into their adulthood and um, and we provide really, really great programming for kids. So about 8,000 kids per year come through our programs, um, and all of our staff are super high quality. We we look for the absolute best staff, uh, and even at our overnight camp, we you know our average age is about 25, as opposed to you know YMCA or rec center, where it's 17 or 18 year old kids in charge of the campers. Um, And so so we run a a wide variety of programs in both of those states, and we're expanding nationally. And everything from multi-sport programs to single sports, so kids get to do a full week of nothing but whitewater kayaking or rock climbing or mountain biking. Um, Or when they come down to the the resident camp, they spend two weeks down here and get to take all of those skills that they've learned and been exposed to during the day camps and and just go ten times deeper with it. Um, to really great areas all over Colorado and, and just right here in our backyard as well.
2: Uh, that's great. So you do operate in uh, California as well as Colorado. We do. I was wondering yep. about that. Yep. And do you guys do it all year round? you do winter winter things as well?
0: No. Actually, it's, a, it's one of those uh, questions we get all the time. They're like, hey, what do you do? We're like, hey, we're camp directors. They're like, great. What do you do the rest of the year? And we're like, well, that's kind of our job. Um, so it takes nine months of, of really planning to make sure we have the absolute best program out there from a safety standpoint, from a accreditation and licensing standpoint, from a staffing standpoint. So the, the rest of the year is spent really um, getting our permits in order and, and our licensing and hiring staff and just figuring out how we could become bigger and better. So, so our, our crazy season really is May through about September. Outside of that, we do some programming for uh, local schools. So, you know, we understand that that everyone is in kind of financial crises, some of the school districts. So we provide services where we will bring to them a portable rock climbing wall, a portable kayak tank, portable mountain biking course, as well as uh, some outdoor education curricula for them. Uh, So, And that happens really in the fall. And then we do have... Some events that we run. So so we'll go and take all of those portable elements to, to different events like the GoPro games and things like that and to set it up for the general public just to really allow people who've never rock climbed an opportunity to, to hop on a wall.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I was watching some of the videos on you guys and I saw some of the, uh, the programs that you did take to the schools. Kids are out yeah, there paddling cool. around in a pool and there's snow on the ground. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> great. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> oh, no, that's great. So what ages, uh, I think you mentioned at uh, 6 to 17, something like what age groups uh, do you run?
0: Sure. So for the overnight program uh, out here, we start in the second grade. So uh, those who will be entering the second grade in the fall all the way through high school. And it's a, it's a really, really great progression of skills. Um, however, our day camps start at three years old. Uh, so we have a, a really, really like ambitious plan, like a 20-year plan for, for our kiddos. So if we could get them when they're three or four years old, have them kind of grow up through the programs, move their way through multi-sport to single-sport, all the way to overnight camp, then we have a, a really great team leadership program. And then after they kind of age out, they become apprentices and help out, and then interns, then junior counselors, and then kind of lead instructors. So they someone could essentially be a part of Avid for you know twenty years of their life. Wow,
2: that's cool. Paint a little bit of a picture for a parent that might want to get their kids involved in this. What can they what do you have on offer, and what can they expect uh if they come to the school to check it out to get their kids enrolled?
0: Yeah, you know it's like I mentioned earlier um th- there are you know over twelve million camps in the United States. And a lot of them are just kind of cookie cutters of each other. So rec centers and YMCA's. You know, and our goal is to be completely different. We we want to be something that every single year that the child attends the program is a very different experience for them. So, so we constantly are looking at different opportunities and new sports. And this year we introduced sailing as well as tree climbing, um, so every year they come in, they have an opportunity to experience something that parents may just not have the interest, the time, the means to introduce their children to, such as sailing. Um, you know, those, those are some great programs in addition to our core sports. So we'll always stick with our core sports of saying the paddleboarding, canoeing, kayaking, rock climbing, and mountain biking. Um, But what's really great is, you know, we build upon ourselves. Like the program is sequenced that if you come rock climbing, you know, in the fourth grade, you're learning a set of skills and to get really proficient at. Once you come back in the fifth grade, you are kind of refreshing and building upon those skills and adding a whole new set to it. And then the sixth grade, then the seventh grade Um, to the point that, you know, it's Colorado, everybody rock climbs out here. And the way that other programs work is kind of like sticking cattle through. You know, the kids will come up, the staff will put the harness on and the helmet, they'll tie them in. They'll say, okay, it's time to to go up. They'll belay them. And if the kid struggles, they'll say, put your hand there, put your foot there, put your other hand there. And they've essentially taken the climb away from that child. They've taken away the ability for that that child to overcome their fears or kind of get past a hard moment in their life there. And then when they're like, I want to come down, the staff let them down, and then they they saddle up the next kid. Where we differ in the sense that, like, you know, we've we've got some company core values which are ingrained in our programming, and, you know, one of those is living empowered. And we want these kids to be able to take these skills – back with them, you know, and tell their parents, like, no, you're doing it wrong and here's how to properly do it. So if we have a child at rock climbing, we show them how to put on the helmet and harness and they do it. We show them how to tie the knots and they do it. We show them how to belay and they do it themselves. So nine-year-old kids holding up other nine-year-old kids. And as they get older, like, we show them how to build anchors to really, like, support themselves and then they go ahead and do it. Um, so it's a it's a very different program where we really are giving the tools to the children to succeed as opposed to like, hey, let's just have fun.
2: Yeah, it sounds like the way you guys are doing it really bal- uh, builds that foundational skill set. So when they do want to they grow up and do want to go out with their friends and try rock climbing, the parent can feel at ease that they know what they're doing and they can do it safely.
0: Yeah, totally. And you know, before every single activity that we do, we do an environmental and risk management analysis or briefing. And and the kids do it. And uh we get some really, really great feedback from the parents saying, "Hey, I just want to let you know we went for a hike and it took us 20 minutes to get started because the kid mentioned my shoe was untied, I didn't have enough water, didn't have a hat or sunscreen, and the trail, you know, the terrain changed, so we had to be ready for it."
2: <laughs> and like That is
0: awesome. Like, that's what we're teaching these guys, like to, right. to manage these risks before they happen. And, you know, just be able to recreate it as safely as possible and have as much fun. And, and it really does stick with them.
2: <laughs> that's great. Mom and dad are getting schooled at the same time. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that gives the
2: the children a, a great feeling. I see it in my own kids when they're able to teach me something. We, my son, goes to a uh, um, essentially essentially an enrichment program where they they learn the outdoor skills and the uh, you know the the ancestral skills of living off the land. And when he's able to come back and tell me things, I mean, he just as long as he's got my ear, he will tell me all about it, and and that's great to see. And I think as parents, we need to slow down. Let our kids do that and let them teach us instead of being in a hurry to, to get on to the next thing in, sure. in adult life.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the most powerful moments that we have at camp is after the end of a two week session, we have our, our parents day where we invite all the parents to come down for a few hours and they have the opportunity to mountain bike, and a paddleboard, canoe, kayak, et cetera. And it's so awesome because it's the parents who, who flip the the canoes and they're the ones in the water. And every time it happens, there's, like, a little army of, of kids who come up and, like, hey, guys, it's time for a tea rescue. Let's get them out of the water. And, like, in front of the parents' eyes, like, eight, nine-year-old kids are, like, pulling off this rescue of an adult who who just flipped. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so great to watch.
2: That's fantastic. So where should people go if they want to learn more about Avid for Adventure and to see about your programs and, and even sign up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if they just went to our website, which is uh, www.avid4, so avid4.com, number four, dot com, it's got information on all of our locations in California as well as Colorado and our overnight program. Um, it'll tell you what availability is still left for this summer for the specific grade levels.
2: Okay, great. And we'll make sure that's linked up in the show notes so they can find it easily there as well. Great. So what would you say your favorite sport, that you have dealt with kids in that environment is what's your favorite one to teach?
0: So, so I grew up as a whitewater kayaker and, uh, and I love teaching kids that, but my all time favorite sport is spelunking or caving. Um, and so I've led trips all over the United States. And when we, we had the opportunity, we included caving as part of our curriculum for our seventh, eighth graders, as well as our high schoolers. And, I I get the most joy leading those trips when you're a mile or two underground and you're crawling and squeezing and it's dark because people are so uncomfortable. And and it's an opportunity to really take them and push them out of their comfort zone into this stress zone that they they never have, have experienced underground. And then after a few hours of talking and coaching and teaching, that stress zone all of a sudden becomes their new comfort zone. And they are like zipping through and squeezing and having a great time and reading cave maps. And then we'll get to an area that's a little dicier and we'll push them back into that stress zone and work through it until it becomes their new comfort zone. And it just keeps expanding and expanding. And caving is just a phenomenal, incredible experience for, you know, I've been doing it for many years and I still get super giddy as soon as I drop into the hole.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, spelunking is one of those things that maybe I need to go explore more. I I admittedly have odd phobias about spelunking and underwater diving where I can't see very far. That sure, freak sure. freak me out. <laughs> I'm not yeah. claustrophobic or anything typically, but for some reason caves just freak me out. So I need to maybe push my boundaries there myself. Yeah,
0: it, it's, it's great because everybody is uncomfortable and they don't want to do it. And, I mean, just seeing the transformation of like – Yeah, bats aren't going to fly in my hair, and it's okay that I'm walking through water. And some of the caves we go in have underground streams, like as clear and fresh as, as you can imagine, and they're just like drinking from it, and it's great.
2: That's cool. That's cool. So what would your tips be for parents? You've dealt with a lot of kids. You, you deal with a lot of kids on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Parents that want to get their kids out into the outdoors, um, it can bring along its own stresses, little battles between the child and the parent. What would your uh, advice be? A couple of little pointers for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, And there are some great pointers on our website as well, uh, of kind of getting kids outdoors. Um, but it really does start with the parents. You know, the, the parents are going to have to want the desire to be outdoors. And if, they're, if it's kind of forced and it's like, hey, we're going to go for a hike in the park and the kids sense that, like, you're not totally into it, like, you're not going to get anywhere. So I would say, you know, definitely start off small. And, and maybe that's just, you know, spending a half an hour a day and that's it. You know, and go to a local park and just play just be outdoors, you know, or just go for a hike in your neighborhood so you're out there and kind of slowly increase that from a half an hour a day to an hour a day, you know, and really sticking with it. Because um, unfortunately, like, during the school year, these kids have, like, a half an hour a day outdoors total, you know, so we want to, we want to add to that and get them out there. Um, and then there's some really great programs, you know, through local wise or the rec centers where there's, like, family backyard campouts. So in a a super kind of like controlled environment, you know, we're not worried about bears coming in and rain and just kind of build up from there and, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going, get a national park pass. And, uh, I believe all fourth graders in the U S now get it for free, uh, for a year. Um, and, and just kind of go from there. But it, it really has to start with the parent wanting to be out there. And maybe it's not just for getting kids aware with for the outdoors. Maybe it's just to, you know, be more active and healthy. And that's what we really promote here as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of parents would be surprised to find out that once they do force themselves to get out there, that they really do enjoy it. It's not uh, just sitting out in front of the TV and watching the the weekend races or sports not yep. whatnot. Just, that's not life. I mean, it's fun to enjoy from time to time, but if you can get out there with your children and enjoy them and enjoy nature with them and learn it together, if it's not something you know, you've got to get out there and try
0: it. Yeah. And I would say the, you know, I have a, a four-year-old daughter who is a lifelong avid camper. So she started when she's three and kind of working through it. And our best like outdoor times, are not even like hiking or boating. It's like sitting out there and just making nature art, you know, just having like uh, flower petals and rocks and making designs and putting stuff in trees and just becoming comfortable with the outdoors. So she's four years old and she will walk in pitch black through the woods and not have any fear because she knows what's there, you know? So it doesn't have to be crazy hikes or anything like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes for sweet moments. Yeah. so you had a good tip there about easing into it i think uh and i've been guilty of it myself we get busy in life and we get a free you know free weekend or free day on the weekend and we say let's go conquer that 15 mile trek you know we yeah. have time to do it so let's go do it kids i know you really haven't been any further than a mile or two but yep. we have time so let's go do it and you know you, you're you're bound to run into the kid that just just Let's you have it in the middle of the trail because you just you know you're, you've pushed them too far and you haven't eased into it. So I think it's it's good that you brought up that tip. I think that's something we also have to be very uh, conscious about.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a fine line to walk of like pushing kids and then scarring them from them being right. like this was the worst hike ever. I'm never going outdoors. You know so. Like I said, definitely just ease into it, a couple little campouts, bring friends along, make it as comfortable as possible. So when you're starting off, like, who cares about weight? You don't need the lightest sleeping bag, backpack, pad. Like, get what's comfortable because once the kids are comfortable outdoors, then they're they're, you know, more comfortable doing it again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, like birthday parties. You know, a lot of people, a lot of us, do birthday parties at the you know the places where we're playing video games, you know, indoors or right. something. Some party, you know, where we have games and pizza and that kind of stuff. Do a birthday party at a campsite. You know, oh, you're yeah. gonna find that uh, half of the kids have never been camping. They don't even have camping gear. They have to go run around and borrow it. You know, from friends that maybe have camped and they come out and camp and you just see, see it on their faces. They're like, man, this is cool. Why don't we do this? And Mom, dad, we're going to go camping next weekend, right? And, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Or,
0: you know, like my bachelor party when, when I got married was four days of whitewater rafting, um, you know, down down the Golly River. Uh, but so, yeah, so big things like that would be great. So take the kids to a, a local like ropes course, high ropes and low ropes. Fantastic. Yeah. For, you know, rafting or anything like that.
2: Yeah, that's funny. It's funny you mentioned bachelor parties and white rider rafting. That's exactly how I spent my bachelor party. My buddy oh, took nice. me uh,
0: uh,
2: rafting out in the Arkansas Valley and, uh, you know, camping for a couple of nights, and it was phenomenal. That's great. Yep. So this next question is a little bit self-serving and I hope the listeners bear with me a little bit because this is uh, very localized to our area, but I saw that you guys do a program at Valmont bike park. Now, just to give a little bit of background for those who don't know and listening around the country or the world, Valmont bike park is in Boulder. The city of Boulder built it and it's like a, a micro ski resort for, uh, bicycles. So as, uh, colored and named runs, um, It's like a terrain park and it's like this mini mountain biking area on something, I don't know, 20, 30 acres, something like that. And it's just a really, really cool park. We love to go to it ourselves, uh, but I noticed that you guys have a program down there. So tell me a little bit about that
0: yeah so so Valmont owned by the city of Boulder, we uh have won the contract to to be able to program Valmont, so we run a a really great program out there so so Valmont bike park avid for adventure um and like you mentioned, it's a really well built course that has cross country trails and tracks on there it's got several different pump tracks on there um it just really great area and it's so it's for those kids who you know, really love mountain biking and want to take it to the next level. So the the kiddos that we have out there are like full pads, elbows, knees, and helmets and everything, and they go hard. Um, But they learn everything, so how to fall properly and how to ride properly, and they learn the mechanics of a bike inside and out. So they can take it apart, put it back together, change flats and patch them and shorten and lengthen change, fix derailers, all of that stuff really before they even get on the bike. Um, But it's pretty amazing to see, you know, how young some of these kids are and how much air and, like, how hard they're attacking this course. And it – but even for those who, you know, are not, like, super mountain bikers and just want to get out there and have some fun, like – We serve definitely all different ages and abilities and levels, and and we make it a great experience, but it is like a really unique, fun park, and we're super proud to be a part of it and provide such great programming for, for all of Boulder and the surrounding areas.
2: That's great. Yeah, it's an awesome place. The uh you look look down and there's some little kid on a, a strider passing you. Yeah. He's, like you say, yeah. he's got the helmet and the pads and he's he's ready to rip, man. He's he's ready to hit those jumps when he gets a little bit older. It's yeah. awesome. Great. Okay. So to wrap up the podcast, do you have some sort of funny story we can leave our listeners with to give them a laugh?
0: Hmm. I would say <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many great and funny stories that happen out here. I, I will give you, I guess, funny to us at camp, maybe. Um, you know, we we do have a, a lot of wildlife where we're at, and so so lots of bears and mountain lions. And like I mentioned earlier, we had a bear roll through camp and tear up one of our sites. And so everyone's kind of been on edge a little bit. And the other night I was walking back, so it's like ten, eleven 11 o'clock at night, I was walking back from one of our sites, and I heard like a noise in the woods and I turned around and turned on my flashlight and there were probably less than like three feet away from me next to a tree were these big glowing eyes. And <laughs> I, I basically gave up on life at that point. My body like shut down and like, I just crumpled to the ground and just laid there. And if it were a bear, I would have been done. Um, and it turned out to be like a four foot deer just staring at me. <laughs> and so the, the kids think it's the most hilarious thing in the world so every time I walk by different cabin groups they all just kind of crumple to the ground and laugh at me um, so that that is the, the latest story of what's going on around here
2: that's good, I can relate you tell those kids, wait, it'll happen to you eventually oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll
0: the here are pretty brave and they come up and I turned and the eyes were staring right at me two feet away and, and my body just shut down
2: Hey, man, we all have those moments. My scariest was a raccoon. And, you know, when it's at night, you don't know what it is facing oh, right. you. But I remember yeah. my parents, You know, when I lived in Connecticut, my parents told me to go put my bike away in the garage. And, you know, a little kid, I really didn't want to go out in the dark, but right. I had to because I left my bike out. So I went to put my bike in the garage and there were yet two yellow eyes reflecting back at me from inside the garage. Yep. You know, <laughs> as a kid, that was what, maybe eight years old. And it scared the crap out of me. I slammed my bike into that garage and beat feet into the house. Yep. And peered out the window and little raccoon comes waddling out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, the, the nighttime can do some scary things to your mind, for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right on. All right, Ian, thanks so much for spending a little time with me for this episode. I really appreciated hearing about Avid for Adventures and the programs that you guys offer, and I hope that our listeners can uh, to come take advantage of, of your programs and, and get their own kids out there and enjoy some of these awesome things you guys offer.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, no problem. We'll see you.
0: All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to this holiday flashback episode. Be sure to take some time and enjoy some adventure with your family during this holiday season.